0: Welcome to the Life and Rhythm podcast, where we hope to
1: equip rhythm communities to be formed by God, with one another, for the good of others, in the valley as it is in heaven.
0: Hey, welcome to the Life and Rhythm podcast. What's up, Matt? How you doing, big guy? I'm doing well. I'm excited to talk about the church. Are you excited?
1: Oh, You're yeah. pumped. I am pumped.
0: You're a little tired today. We need to, we need to wake up. Yeah. We need to let's, talk about the church here.
1: Let's do it. Let's talk about it.
0: So I want to get some definitions down. So we've used within Rhythm Community, we've used a few definitions or a few uh, terms. We've used Rhythm Communities. We've used Communities. We've used Micro Churches. And really, what we are saying is that these expressions of smaller gatherings and networks of relationships are, in fact, the church, period. Um, yeah. And then we define church as an extended spiritual family. Yeah. Where did we come up with that? We just pulled that out of thin air.
1: We did not okay. come up with that. That was 26 different discipleship organizations back in 2020, early 2020, that basically said, let's get clear on our definitions. What is a disciple? So that's where we got our definition from a disciple, someone who's following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, committed to the mission of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then that's even the, their definition of what the church is and what a disciple-making movement is. So you and I have just chosen to submit to a larger body of believers on what their definition is so that we can create more unity and clarity around what is the church and what's it all about. I I like the three – we were talking about this yesterday, but we have the phrase formed by God with one another for the good of others Mm -hmm. to describe what the church is and what it's about. And those three words in particular – By, with, and for. I love those words because the simplicity of them, but also what they, if you dig into what is the word by, formed by God. So, by being a preposition, like it basically says, who is the agent performing the action of the church? Who is the great initiator? Is it us? Are we being formed by us? Are we being formed by a sermon? Are we being formed by an event of some kind or a worship experience? Or is there a creator and sustainer of the world, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the divine, is there a divine conspiracy going on where He is, He is the one initiating all of this, including the origination of what the church is? And if he is, then how our first inclination, I think, as Americans is: well, how do we be the church? And Jesus's, I think, first inclination is to say, before you talk about how, let's talk about with. Yeah. Right. So, who are you doing this with? You cannot be the church by yourself. You cannot be an individual church <laughs> where it's just you and you are. You are not the church. We we are the church together. Yeah. So that with word just asks the, begs the question: Who are you accompanying yourself with on this apprenticeship of Jesus' journey? Are there? Are there? Is there a committed company of people around you on the same path of transformation Mm -hmm. that you are? And then, obviously, the word "for," which talks about purpose. What's our mission of the church? It is for the good of others. And you and I like to tie that into the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. But you know, Jesus says the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And Mm -hmm. the second one is equally important. It's just like it. Yeah, love the love your neighbor. As yourself, so the goal, our mission is, our desire is for the good, for the good of others. Yeah, absolutely. So,
0: yeah, we're such linear thinkers, so we look at lists differently in in our Western mind than how it was intended. Uh, I heard Andy Stanley talk about this at one point, and it just rattled me because when he was talking about that loving god and loving others we we prioritize it we say loving god is first and loving others is secondary mm-hmm. and yet the the hearers would have associated both one and the same that it wasn't a either or or step one step two but as you love others you're loving god and as you love god you're loving others and so it's just this yin and yang um concept and and for for us as we go through these three aspects of what the church is so formed by god worship um you know we're we're worship beings we are constantly worshiping something mm-hmm. and so it really does lend itself as we are worshipers um to be accountable to somebody to have you know truth kind of put up in our face to say hey Bro, like you're, uh, <laughs> you might be worshiping something other than God here, and I could say all day long, I'm worshiping this, uh, or I'm not worshiping this. I'm worshiping God through the through this this action, through uh, through loving my wife. It could be that I'm really just idolizing my wife. Like it could be that, right? And and we've taken a lot of really good things, like family, and we've created idols around them. And so it does take this with one another, like this confessing to one another, this carrying one another's burdens, this true loving one another, this grace and truth of like, hey, we're not just going to, hey, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. But it's also like, hey, I'm just going to put a mirror up here, right here. And, yeah. and you're the one that has to look at the mirror. Like you're the one that ultimately knows, right? But it takes almost somebody to hold up a mirror right in front of you to see, man, I'm not The person that i say that i am or i'm not conducting myself in that manner yeah and then ultimately it's for the good of other people and there's a lot of things that we can do individually and together but never really get outside of ourselves or our community to actually see the needs around us and meet those needs and so we we very simply just want to go through this podcast and talk about those three areas and Just kind of give some maybe examples or descriptors of what those may look like. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when it comes to being a part of a church and being the church.
1: Yeah. So before we jump into the whole idea of worship and what that could look like and reimagine that beyond just an hour a week where we sing songs and listen to somebody talk for 30 minutes, um... I would love to read this passage, which I think when I think about worship, every time I think about it, what does that look like? And it's Romans 12, and the title of it is Place Your Life Before God. And the Apostle Paul says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Hmm. I, I think if we could reimagine what worship is around our everyday, ordinary life, it would be really helpful to capture the imagination of what I believe God is calling us to in terms of a life of worship, not just an activity of worship. Mm -hmm. So give us some other things uh, in terms of what, Adam, what you would imagine. So these rhythm communities or these churches or micro churches or just churches in neighborhood, however you want to call it, how they're being formed, how they're cooperating with the spirit, how they are placing their everyday ordinary life. Talk about discovery Bible study. Like that's one of the ways in which we are worshiping.
0: Yeah. Um, Actually before before I jump into that, this is definitely not scripted here. But you know what came to my mind is when you're when we're when you're saying we were reading Romans was it twelve? What was the verse again? Yeah, Romans 12. twelve, one to three. One to three. Um, I think, you know, it man, it, it's one of the, one of the hesitancies of so many people, or at least one of the questions that we get asked a lot, is how do you keep each other accountable? Who's who's keeping these churches accountable? Yeah, um, is there is there the word often used as heresy? Yeah, because um, I, I think before we get into the practicality of it, there's as I mentioned earlier the truth. You know, to kind of hold up the mirror, so to speak. Who's the who's the what's what is the standard of truth, and what is what are people held to in terms of accountability? Because you know you had said like you know individual cannot be the church. Sure. All right. So now we've we've come up with some construct there of what is the church, and we've walked through like worship and community and mission, and those are the church. Uh, but the question again is: is there is there heresy? Within those churches, um, and the way that I would answer that, the way that I've been answering that is, well, absolutely, or, of course there is. <laughs> like, like when is there not? And I think what's interesting about that question is it—it's almost framed up to be asked in such a way that it—it it almost is positioning the existing church as Mm non-heretical, like, but we think about it, you know, there's heresy that's happening all the time within our churches. And there's in fact heresy that was happening in the early church. That's why Paul wrote most of his letters say, Hey, stop doing that. (laughs) Yeah. So what, what would you say in regards to truth? And as we lay a foundation for, um, some of the centralized pieces, because we've you know, we've talked about decentral versus central. And, and I want to encourage you as a listener, if you haven't dove into that episode, dive into that episode, because we'll talk a lot about those types of things. But real quick, just the truth piece of it, as we lay the foundation for what we're going to talk about practically, how would you say that these churches are accountable and held together? And um, what ways are, is it, you know, difficult or messy or, you know, those things challenging.
1: Yes, it is difficult, messy. I think sometimes when people say the word organic, I don't know if they've ever been to an organic farm where a lot of crap is used instead of pesticides (laughs) to grow gardens in a non-chemical way. And so I would say that you and I are fiercely protective of the people who lead rhythm communities, who are those community leaders. How close are we to those people? How well do we know them? We don't, as Paul says, we don't easily lay hands on people. And two of the documents that I would say really shape our orthodoxy is the Nicene Creed, which has been around since the 300s. So if you want to know what orthodox Christianity has looked like, for the last 2,000 years almost, you could go back and say, what were the core beliefs? What were the things that they said they had to believe to be baptized? And that was their baptismal confession of faith. I believe in the one God, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in one universal ch- church. You know, I, I don't know if you asked most Christians, what are those hills you would die on What determines heresy from orthodox belief? I don't know if they would go there, but we do a lot. And beyond that, there's a modern document that's a really ecumenical belief, like where our theological convictions really root ourselves in is the Cape Town commitment. Mm -hmm. So in 2010, thousands of Christian leaders from hundreds of countries got together and decided, basically a modern day Nicene Creed. What are those things that shape our love towards God? What is the truth? What are, I know we disagree on some things, right? But what are the truths that we can all agree on so that we talk about this all the time, so that the whole church can take the whole gospel to the whole world? And so I would say those are two ways in which we are coaching people into orthodoxy to protect from heresy. And if you notice in the New Testament, especially in Romans and first second Corinthians, there is a lot of correction after Paul launches these churches in Corinth, in Rome, which were house churches, a collection of house churches. He has to go back and correct false belief. That is a part of growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and the grace of God. Like we have to go back and correct certain things and root it in scripture and really ask the question, does this line up with the person and the work of Jesus? So what, what no, else would good. you say? No, yeah. that's
0: really good. I, I just wanted to I know we've stated that elsewhere. I know that there's other episodes that we dive a little bit deeper into that in particular, but I think it really does set a foundation for the, um, and I wouldn't even say individual leader, but the leaders that, we've, that we have uh, appointed or that we've journeyed with. I wouldn't even say that we do the appointing, but that we've journeyed with to say, yes, we, we see this in you as somebody that is fit to lead a community, a church. Mm -hmm. Um, And not only do we see that, but that's affirmed by the people within your community, uh, within your church, uh, within your, we've used this term, oikos, your network of relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's beautiful because um, prior to the rhythms that we established for communities to uh, be involved in, we, we also say that discipleship is what um, is the, is the church is the byproduct of discipleship, that the church emerges out of disciples that are being made. Yeah. And so that comes from not just one-on-one. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, so often we attribute one-on-one discipleship as like the mode of which we are to disciple. But there's only three accounts in the whole book of Acts that there's an individual conversion. Hmm. Um, 90%, so there's 30 plus accounts where people come to faith that are small groups or larger groups. It's so good. And so, you know, for us, when we talk about the church or the oikos of relationships and the network of relationships, it really is a communal, familial thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so often in our mindset, we we want to distill it into a one on one. Uh, type of almost transactional relationship. And that really catches us in a, I think in a bind a bit when it comes to like the expressions of the church and how the church can be expressed in various networks of relationships. Um, And it really does hinder movement uh, from that standpoint. And so for these leaders that are leading these churches, it's not, hey, we're gonna add to our number daily to our thing that we're doing. But it really, truly is, we're going to disciple. And as we disciple, our disciples are making disciples. And as they make disciples, they're making disciples and so on and so forth. And and the success, which we've talked about in previous episodes, the success of Rhythm Community, of our network of communities or churches, is when we see multiplication happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't know how many of you out there that are listening to this, if you've been in a church setting before was it clear to you that the that the measure mm-hmm. for success was it has it been communicated clearly to you directly or indirectly by being a part of a church family that oh the win here is if if i can become the kind of disciple that can make disciples and that as i make them because of the quality of my discipleship i can actually make good apprentices of jesus yeah who follow in the way of Christ. And I don't I don't know if that's been I think that I don't know if that's been the measure of success. I know I know for a lot of pastors if you ask them what do you want to do, they would they would mention probably the great commission and the great commandment. And the truth is regardless of what our measure of success has been, that the Holy Spirit has used broken, fallen people over the years in every model of church to make genuine disciples of Jesus. Like we were just talking to our friend Steve the other Mm -hmm. day and he was saying that in a different church context, he's not who he is as a follower of Christ in spite of that experience. The Holy Spirit used that. And so it was because of that experience, he is following Jesus and he wants to go deeper and he wants to understand what does it look like to really make disciples who can make disciples who can make disciples. Uh, But it's crazy how the Holy spirit will Mm -hmm. use anyone anywhere (laughs) at any age to move forward. His mission of Mm -hmm. bringing his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that's great, man. And, and, you know, starting with, you know, I want to use all these like leadership terms that we often, you know, throw out like speed of the leader, speed of the team. And although that is, I think, in part true, um, it really does take, you know, we say this a lot with raising kids, it takes a village <laughs> to raise a child. And um, I, I'm reminded of, uh, I was telling the guys before we, we Push record. Um, I was reminded of this the other day of how C.S. Lewis describes friendship, and it was you know C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, and I always forget the other guy's name. I'm gonna call him Fred, but there's another guy in the in the you know these uh, these three guys spent a lot of life together and did a lot of really incredible things. And and so again, Fred. I don't know, remember his name, but Fred. You know, passes away and c s Lewis remarks that he thought because of Fred's passing that he was going to actually experience more of tolkien um, but it was actually the opposite to be true hmm. that Fred brought out some aspects of tolkien that c s Lewis would never bring out, and that so so therefore a part of part of Tolkien died with Fred um, hmm. when when he passed away and i I thought Man, that's just such a really cool image and or story of what it means to be in community with one another. That we are the body, and so when when we lose a limb, you know, mm-hmm. like we feel that you know we we're not as deal. efficient. Big uh, deal or, when you lose yeah, a limb. Big, yep. I've heard. I don't know. Yeah, but you know, so those are those are the things that uh, I think when we're walking. Just, just trying to really um, give us an imagination, or at least reset maybe a bit when it comes to what it means to be the church. Because again, I think so often we individualize it, um, and, and it just it just falls short.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good, bro.
0: So again, the the formation. Uh, what we say is formed by God with one another for the good of others. Mm-hmm. Um let's let's just talk a little bit about what what exactly that means. When we say everything is worship, um, or everything can be, yeah. you know, uh, uh everyday ordinary life can be a, a life of worship. Mm-hmm. Um how do we how do we do that on a communal basis? What are we expecting from our uh our churches that are part of rhythm uh, to be doing yeah. or to be a part of?
1: Yeah, the, I don't know if this is, this probably isn't what you were asking, but when you ask that question, I immediately go towards the classic work Practicing the Presence of God mm. by Brother Lawrence. And I imagine this monk centuries ago, washing dishes, writing down in his head and on paper, eventually this classic work on a life of prayer of worship. And he says that as he washes the dishes, that it is an act of worship for him. And so what, I mean, legit, (laughs) what if your commute to work was an act of worship? What if your bedtime routine with your kids was an act of worship? What if your date night with your wife or your lunch meeting you have, or this phone call you have to make, or I dare say the email that you have to you have to craft that you don't yeah. want to craft? What if all of that was a response to God's loving initiative and it was a way for you to be the kingdom presence in your everyday ordinary life. like what if that was worship and then when we got together, I do think that there are specific times where we do get together. It doesn't have to be on Sunday morning. It could be on a Tuesday night, be on a Wednesday afternoon where as a community, we do come together for the intention of going through some liturgy, right? Some formative act. So one of the ways in which we do that would be a discovery Bible study. We think that's a really easy, accessible way to open up the word and to look back on the previous week to say, hey, how have you obeyed God this last week? And then to look up in scripture, "What? hey, as we read this passage, what does this say about who God is? And then into ourselves of what does this say about who we are as humanity? And then out. Okay. Well, now what are we going to do about this yeah. this week? And we become obedient disciples who make disciples through yeah. the week. So I think that's one of the ways in which we have a tool.
0: Yeah, and I and I think with that too is uh, the question is what is what does the community need? Yeah. You know. So if the community needs a rest, <laughs> and that's the most worshipful thing that the community can do mm-hmm. in a, in the season, then, then why not orchestrate something
1: that gives rest,
0: that gives rest, you know, to block and tackle for the community, so to speak, to allow a, a, an environment, a restful environment. Um, or maybe it's celebration. Maybe it's like, man, we just need to party. <laughs> and we need to have good wine and good food and we need to have a great experience together that is, again, formative. I mean, there's been several occasions where I've been a part of a dinner party. I'm like, man, this is, this is a thin place. Like, this is a piece of heaven. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just because the food was awesome, you know, <laughs> uh, but it was it was truly a divine moment. Um, what, what would you say, Matt, like, cause I, I know you could get there. I could very easily get there with, with certain aspects of life. I'm thinking the average person that is not coming, coming into a dinner party thinking I'm going to a worship service, right? Yeah. Um, how do we, how do we bridge that gap of really being able to present, um, an experience of whatever kind it may be as a as a worshipful experience. What are some ways in which you've been able to do that uh, just as you've led different environments or different communities?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, this week I'm heading to Estes Park, Colorado, mm-hmm. and I'm going to meet up with 20 guys, and we're going to have days of worship there that look like this. We're going to set up the time with a song, and then we're going to read a portion of scripture, and then we're just gonna send them out into the wilderness, literally the Rocky Mountain National Park, for four or five hours to just go take some silence and solitude. Mm. And to me, I see Jesus doing that in terms of the formation of his disciples, him making disciples. I think we can all agree he's the best disciple maker that's ever walked the face of the earth. And he used to bring them away with him. And he used to give them that time. He took them on boat trips when they needed it. Well, you're saying like there were times in ministry that he recognized. I these think it's was like
0: tubing, like they, tubing <laughs> they went tubing on the Sea of They
1: went tubing on the Salt River. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they did it. And so I, in the past, like I think a worship experience can be a dinner party. I think it can be a prayer experience where for three hours, there's no music and you're just reading scripture and you're praying. I I do think that there is a centrality to the word of God, to the story of God. Mm -hmm. I do think that we we need the clarity of the gospel set in the story of scripture. You and I talk about that. That is what often leads to heresy when we divorce the gospel from the story of God. Right. Right. So, and I also think that, it's really hard for us as Americans to divorce ourselves in our mind from worship being a a event mm-hmm. into a way of life. It's like seeing the church less as an activity or a program and more as an identity of this is who yeah. we are. This is yeah. not what we do. And as a family, like us as the Fogle family, we say things from time to time that are still not biblical. Like what are we doing for church today? What Are we having church today? Yeah. Those are not phrases that you would have heard in the first century. Yeah, so, absolutely. I mean, uh, how, how have you experienced this? How, how are you in the process in your community at East Mark, you and the Talbots and your wife? Like, yeah. how is this being expressed? How is the church worshiping?
0: Well, what I would say is, um, although we live in East Mark, I would say a lot of, a lot of our community is, is from CrossFit Insight. So it's from a a gym. And so there's all kinds of crossover and, uh, ways in which we (laughs) correlate, you know, our spiritual disciplines with the discipline of just, you know, working out, um, our physical disciplines. And, and that seems to resonate with a lot of our, our community. Um, and so we talk a lot about that like we talk a lot about how we can use some of the things that we do in the gym um and the the hard work and you know the work ethic all that stuff and correlate that with our spiritual life. And that seems to start to ima- like allow people to imagine spirituality or their pursuit of Jesus in a non like stagnant way, right? Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I'm not just going to church on, uh, or or, excuse me, I'm not going to a worship service, you know, on a Sunday morning, uh, but I get to be a part of something bigger. And so those parallels have been really good. Um, You know, I would say with that, you know, just ways in which we try to be a part of the community, um, whether it be events that are being held at CrossFit Insight, that we just get to be a part of and we get to be a blessing to the people within our community um, through a big radical way of just being generous. And so those are those are little pieces here and there, but those are things that um, for us just having eyes to see that in those ways. Um, this next week, you know, we're doing a barbecue and, you know, we're having a baptism and like, so that's, you know, exciting and things are, you know, Um, I think it just, it stokes the imagination for people to see, again, we are the church, not, I just come to Adam's house on Sunday and that now is the church building. (laughs) And so like, I think it's just, that's where it could be really, um, still that language still creeps in of like, oh, we're going to church, which is right here, (laughs) (laughs) you know, in my living room Mm -hmm. or wherever. So, um... So yeah, I think you know for us the primary way is discovery Bible study, but I would say you know the other ways are dinner parties. Uh, we like to throw great parties for our people and and just really be able to usher in like, hey, we're gonna celebrate together. This is a part of being the church uh, through serving, um, and so that's what we talk about as Rhythm Community. Uh, We really just have boiled it down to two by two by two, which is to say, hey, two times a month for the churches that are within our network, what would it look like for just two times a month, not every week, two times a month to do some form of discovery Bible study, a night of worship, a celebration dinner, a prayer walk, you know, a day of space where they go and do a retreat, a hike, something fun. Um, all those types of things, again, as we're talking about it, could be set up to imagine practicing the presence of the Lord and be able to walk and work with Him as we're doing something within the context of community. Um, and then the next two are to be able to 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 not just have it serve our own purposes, or the to serve the church. Um, or the community, but to serve others. Yeah. And so how can our community come together to be able to do that in um, a in a radical way? And so, again, that example of going to CrossFit Inside and, and being a part of that event, that's our community. Putting in a community generosity request and saying, hey, we want to come alongside this organization and just be a blessing. And we don't need any accolades or, uh, you know, any applause, we just want to be uh, there to serve. And so that that to us is is kind of where uh, we've been able to express formed by God with one another for the good of others. So can
1: you talk a little bit about, kind of in closing, can you talk about how the way we viewed the global church and specifically our partnership with Go Ministries, which is in the Caribbean, in the Dominican, yeah. can you talk about how that has informed and even transformed our imagination on what the church could be. Because the most rapidly like multiplying movement of disciples they have right now in the DR is in the prison system. Yeah, Not in a church building, okay. but disciples making disciples within the cells within Dominican prisons. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, and it was really cool to be on a phone call last week with uh, Isaias Gabriel, and we've had him on the podcast, and him talking about the three areas of of. Church with how they would express it is discipleship, mission, and multiplication, yeah, and as I was thinking about it, and we've had a conversation about this, those are really the outcomes of formation. We are formed by God to be a disciple of jesus's like that's that's <laughs> that's the intent right that's the outcome the outcome for community is not for community's sake but for mission's sake, and ultimately the outcome of mission is multiplication you know we talked about that earlier the measure of success is multiplication so we are being formed (laughs) to use that language uh by a global entity a global movement uh, that we get to learn and grow with and i'm really excited for this next season to come alongside them and to be able to learn more and more about what they're doing in their context that is so radically different than um anything i've been a part of yeah and so that's been, that's been cool to see. Uh, they went from 18 churches to over 130 communities now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, discipleship and multiplication are going hand in hand. You're seeing that happen and displayed in a real way. And so we get to be a part of that. As Rhythm Community uh, in the Valley, we get to be a part of a global movement. And so with that, all of our communities get to be a part of that, not just... It's not just, you know, Matt and Adam leading this and everybody gets to just follow suit. But, you know, we'll take an opportunity for people to either invest their resources as in time and go down to the Dominican and see and experience and be able to come alongside. Um, We will plant churches alongside um, Go Ministries and help start other churches that are happening in the island or around the world. And uh, we'll also be able to invest other resources, like our money. In that way, that will be a huge blessing for us down the road of making disciples and make disciples and seeing the church emerge.
1: Yeah, dude, that's so good. Just to that end, would you just close us out in a word of prayer for them and for us and for yeah. those of people who are listening to this and want to not just do church but be the church.
0: Mm -hmm. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you for how you've designed the body, how intricate our bodies are. And as the body of Christ, how beautiful and complex and amazing it is to be a part of such a global movement, a global church. Uh, God, we recognize that, There are so many things that we do not have, uh, certainly in our control, and we do not have the understanding, um, but God, we are open-handed to just learn and grow um, with your Holy Spirit as the guide and the teacher, that you would shape us and form us into Jesus' likeness, not, um, not in our image, but in yours. Uh, not because of our comfort, but because of your glory and confidence. God, I pray that we would um, be a church that reflects the fruit of the Spirit, that reflects uh, all aspects of what it means to be um, healthy. And I pray that within the valley and, and within our connection with Go, that we wouldn't deem success uh or or um even toward it to be like we'll go from attendance to multiplication and that's that's the end goal but really ultimately the end goal is to see heaven on earth and your kingdom to come and so god i i just pray that those places of darkness and disruption and hurt and pain like um foster care, or sex trafficking, or uh, hunger, or whatever it may be that's within our context, I pray that those would be eradicated, that those would be um, because of your church, because of who you are, would be redeemed and renewed and restored, and that people would see you for who you are, um, that they would give all glory and honor and praise. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Life in Rhythm Podcast. We are on mission to live freely and lightly with one another for the good of others. Peace.